0: This is episode number 140 with Scott Beebe. New concepts and ideas to help you reach your full potential.
1: Reach your full potential. Reach your full potential. Small win, small win, small win. Keep your momentum going. The Success 101 Podcast.
0: Welcome to the Success 101 Podcast. This is your host, Jared Warren, and each episode, my goal is to bring you a new concept or idea to help you maximize your full potential. Thanks for joining me here today. Now let's kick things off. Hey guys, welcome back to the Success 101 Podcast. I am so fired up to be here with you guys today and so excited about what the Success 101 Podcast is doing The podcast has now been downloaded in 87 countries, just unbelievable to me, and we're just getting started. I appreciate your support and downloads, and that really is the biggest honor you can give me. If you've enjoyed the Success 101 podcast, share it with friends, family members, business partners, anybody out there that you feel would benefit from reaching higher levels of peak performance and finding their maximum potential each day. If you feel led to leave a rating or review, you can click on any of the podcast episodes on my website at success101podcast.com forward slash episodes. There'll be a button there on that page over by the media player that you can click on to give it a review and even leave a rating if you feel so led. I have an incredible lineup of guests coming your way that are just mind-blowing to me and I'm so excited about the energy we've got going forward here on the Success 101 podcast as we all work together as a community to change lives and help people reach more levels of maximum potential and peak performance daily. Now, on to our show today, I've got my good friend Scott Beebe joining us on the podcast, and I'm really excited to bring Scott your way. Scott founded My Business On Purpose, and the real goal there is to liberate business owners from the details and minutiae of working in their business, give them back their lives, and help them work on their business from a distance. You'll hear Scott lay out his framework today in this podcast of how business owners can become more successful by removing themselves from the day-to-day grind, getting more control and energy around their business by having the correct systems in place. And you'll hear Scott work through his framework of the four pillars of success that he uses to coach business owners and really help them enjoy what they're doing by being more in control. If you or someone you know is a business owner out there who has just gotten bogged down in the day-to-day minutia, you owe it to yourself to contact Scott and his team to get a handle on the things in life that matter the most and get your life back as your business continues to thrive. So without any further delay, let's jump right to my conversation with Scott Beebe. Welcome to the Success 101 podcast. How are things in business and life and family and all of that?
1: You know, it's interesting, Jared, because my worldview is that all of those things merge. And so, well, let me sum it up this way. Our 15-year-old daughter just got her full-on restricted driver's license yesterday. Oh, my gosh. And so that means she's still got to run by the DMV to get something tomorrow. And uh, once she gets that tomorrow, then she begins to take... Uh, sixty percent of our family will be in her hands every morning and afternoon. Uh, Man, that's awesome. To and from school, and so as cool as I thought that would be, you know, you you kind of miss the the. I hate to be so cliche, but say to miss the passage of time. But you really do kind of miss the passage of time, and so. Even in the last few months, I've been trying to embrace every single car ride I can possibly get right now.
0: Man, golly, I, you know you put it in perspective. I've got three daughters, the oldest one is four, the middle one is three, and the youngest one is about 14 months. And uh, you know, people tell you things in life, they tell you, "Oh, you know this is going to happen and this is going to happen, but until you're there, you know it just it, it doesn't strike a chord with you. but when you start talking about that, like, man, trying to just embrace every ride that you're having with her that just kind of tugs at me because, you know, we'll blink. I'm sure you can say the same, you blinked and that day's here, you know? And so it's here. It's amazing how quickly it flies by. So, you know, I watch a lot of your, obviously we're connected in social media on many, uh, many ways. And you put out a lot of content and, and I love your stuff. You do a lot of Facebook live stuff and things like that. And, uh, you know, when I first started hearing your name and seeing you out there, I was like, man, this guy doesn't look young enough to have, you know, teenage kiddos (laughs) and, uh, you know, There you are. I think you, you and your wife Ashley. I think y'all got married when you were pretty young. Is that right?
1: Yeah, we got. Let's see. I was twenty-two and she was twenty-one. So we were right out of college when we got married. And you know, I'm so glad we did because we just got off a meeting with our team this morning. And Abby's in her thirties. Jesse's like twenty-four. Just had her first baby. And uh, and I told Jesse, I said, you know, just looking back from an age perspective, I'm so glad we got married young because if our kids trend, like we trended and like Jesse has trended, we can literally be grandparents before we're 50. Um, <laughs> and that's just the scary thing about it is you can be a grandparent before you're 50, before you think you're even, you know, remarkably old enough to be. But then also, you know, you, you want to be in good health and mobility and all of that. And so we feel like we could be. Sure,
0: man, that's awesome. Well, let's give the listeners some backstory on you. I know that I was also surprised to read that uh, you were a deep snapper at the University of South Carolina. Uh, fill in, uh, you know, just some of the details on your life and how you got to where you are today. Your business, your family, just your roots. Where all you've moved around to? I know it's been a ton of places. You and I share a couple of those places here in Dallas, and then also in Houston. I lived down there for about seven or eight years. But tell our listeners a little bit about you
1: and how you got to where you are today. I grew up all over the country. My dad's an engineer, and so we followed the work and the promotions around the country. So I was born in Virginia, moved to Charlotte, Houston, Portland, Oregon. Greenville, South Carolina, and then ended up uh, going to university there at the University of South Carolina. And I, you know, it's funny, I did not play a down of offensive or defensive football until I got to college. I played on the kickoff return team in high school. I tried to go out for a deep snapper in high school and was really, really bad at it. So they didn't even let me deep snap in high school. And most <laughs> high school deep snappers are bad anyway. And so that tells you how bad I was. It got to college, and my roommate, his name was Wade Kay, he was a manager for the football team, and he came uh, back to our dorm room one night, and he said, hey man, they've only got one deep snapper on the team, and most D1 teams dress two. and this is in the mid-90s, I mean, but our deep snapper was actually on scholarship, which in the mid-90s was rare, today it's not, most deep snappers, at least the starting snapper has, has a, a full scholarship, but Derek had one, and there was, there was nobody to back him up. And so I told Wade to bring home a football. We started snapping it in Bates West dormitory uh, on the campus of the University of South Carolina. Just about every night, uh, the, the hallway was all center block. It was 16 yards long. And a, a punt snap is 15 yards. So it was, it was almost perfect. <laughs> and so we did that and did it and did it and just kept practicing. This was my freshman year, my, oh, my beginning semester, my freshman year. And that... Christmas time we fired our coach Sparky Woods and hired Brad Scott who had just won a national championship was about to win a national championship actually with uh, with Florida State as their offensive coordinator and so coach Scott came out I found him in a couple of different places he was speaking at this event he was here and I even set a meeting with him in his office so I saw him a couple of times and every time I introduced myself as uh, you know kind of his next long snapper um, and even though he had no idea that I'd never snapped it down in my life in a live football game. And so long story short, we uh, about the, I forget, fifth, sixth game of the season, a uh, small little school out in Baton Rouge, Louisiana called LSU. We went down there. And uh, I, to this point, I just traveled with the team. I was the backup deep snapper to Derek, the first string guy. Ended up making the team. Went down there, pouring down rain, about 82,000 people. And Derek goes out with a uh, separated shoulder. And so he comes running off. after I think it was either after the first or step, second snap he went out. And so when he went out, my position coach started with wistful profanity, encouraging me into the game, uh, telling me essentially not to screw it up. And so ended up, I think, with about, I forget, six or nine snaps that game. And we ended up winning, not because of me, but we ended up winning the game 18-17 to 17 in Baton Rouge, which, you know as you know, is an SEC guy to play in Baton Rouge is tough enough, but to to go in there and actually win was, that was pretty spectacular. That was a lot of fun.
0: Oh my gosh, that's crazy. I'm sure your heart just dropped whenever you saw Derek go out and you had to go in there at Death Valley in front of 80 something thousand people. I mean, that's, that's an incredible experience. And you know, the deep snapper never gets, you know, any recognition until they screw it up, right? I mean, that's the (laughs) only time. Yeah, that's the only
1: time you either see my rear end on television or you see my face when I screwed it up. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and so but it was I mean it was such a delightful time first two years was a walk-on third and fourth year actually ended up getting a full scholarship to play and that was just a, a just an absolutely delightful time I studied sport management in college I uh, had no idea what I was gonna do with it just went into the degree program because um, my roommate Nigeric we were so bad at accounting we went to our advisor after we both scored a 52 on an accounting exam and asked if we could get into another major that we didn't have to take that class. And she told us sport management. We were like, sign us up. We're in. <laughs> so we did that and uh, ended up meeting Ashley in college. And we, we were at FCA. And so a lot of our time was spent in FCA and some of those other organizations at the university. And, and we got married right out of college. And in about three years, had Braden, our first child, uh, while I was in seminary out in your neck of the woods out in Fort Worth. And we just kind of rolled from there.
0: And then your business today, give us a little insight to your business today. And then I'm going to circle back and put you on the hot seat just a little bit. I've never done this right off the bat with somebody on a podcast. So I hope you don't hate me. You might love me or hate me for doing that, but I'm going to put you on the hot seat for a second. But tell us about your business today, your purposes, and what you guys are doing over there.
1: We simply liberate small business owners from the chaos of working in their business. And we try to help them get their life back. And there's a reason for that is because... You know, Jared, I've spent time on both sides of the fence. Um, one side of the fence as an employee, and now on the other side of the fence as a business owner. And those mindsets are very, very different. And the metaphor that I give is that the mindset of a of a uh, of an employee is like a boat floating on a lake. So just imagine a lake. You know, that lake floats at about let's say ninety feet or forty feet or whatever the depth is for that lake. And usually, you might have a foot drop or a foot increase in tide. In a month, or two weeks, or three months, or something like that, but it's it's not very dramatic. And when people are on lakes, they like to keep the waves to the minimum. That's that's why we like freshwater lakes, is because we can keep, you know, kind of the waves to the minimum. It's it's pretty uh, placid, it's pretty calm. Well, that's the mind of an of an employee is the, you know kind of a stable paycheck. Everything's you know, relatively good. Periodically, you might have an increase or decrease in in the uh, in the depth of the water. Whereas the mind of a business owner, where I live just outside of Hilton Head, South Carolina, in Bluffton, we are surrounded by tidal creeks. In fact, as I look out my back window right now, I'm looking at one. And that creek right now is dead empty with water. And here in about four to five hours, uh, it's going to be filled with water. And when I walk out there in about four to five hours, if I wanted to, it's too cold today. but if I wanted to, I could jump in that water and I'd have about seven to eight feet of depth. Well, Give it another six hours, and it's going to be completely empty. You're going to see mud on the ground. And it's a tidal creek. The tide comes in, and the tide goes out. And it's about a 7 to 10-foot swing every day, depending on the moon and and all that. But there's so many variables. And when that water's up, it's really hard to navigate. When the water's down, it's really hard to navigate. Because when the water's up, there's stuff you can't see underneath, oyster beds that will really, really mess you up if you're not prepared. There's current always moving. It's either coming in or it's going out. And so even taking a boat in and a boat out, you've got to really kind of maneuver. manipulate what's going on in your world and constantly be aware of what's going on around you. And so we started to realize that, that business owners live in this very peculiar setup where the tide's always coming in. It's always going out. The water's coming up. The water's going down. And they have to constantly be on guard uh, as to the environment around them. And so we realize that there is a real need for business owners to get coaching that's going to be very specific to help them establish a vision story, a detailed snapshot of where they want to go down the road, and then offer them a step-by-step framework to help them get to the point where they can spend more time working on their business and less time working in the chaos. So we hear statements like this all the time, Uh, I feel like all I'm doing is putting out fires or uh, a business owner will say something like, and you've probably said this before yourself, a business owner will say something like, "You know I've tried to have other people to do it, but it frankly, it's just easier if I do it myself. Well, what we tell people is that statement and the putting out fire statement, those are like cancer to a business. and right. we've got a like an a business oncologist. we've got to help uh, kind of take that cancer out so that you can spend more time working on the business less time working in the weeds of the business and start to rally other people around how to do that. A lot of guys and business owners are so uh, driven that they never stop long enough to detail and prescribe for somebody else how to do the work they're already doing.
0: Oh, absolutely. I tell that I'm a financial advisor by trade. For those who are longtime podcast listeners of my podcast, just know that I coach financial advisors. I work with my clients in my financial practice. I run an office here of about 40 people here in the, uh, kind of the lost Kalinas area out here near Irving, which you might be familiar with out here in this area. And, uh, and then I do personal coaching and private speaking or uh, public speaking and private speaking and things like that to smaller groups and big forums and things like that. But the thing that I always find is that business owners, whenever I'm coaching and teaching people, business owners, they do a great job of building up these, you know, these empires, these little empires, whether they're, you know, their vision is to build that long-term in the future, or they've already got that built or they take over one that someone else has built and they're, you know, they're sitting there trying to run it. And they, they typically just don't know a lot of times how to plan for the future. They don't know what roadblocks are in the way. They don't know how to get out of their own way many times and and make themselves, uh, you know, the outer circle of the business rather than the inner circle of the business, you know, leading by surrendering sometimes or servant leadership. So I think that's really interesting what you're doing out there to help, uh, you know, primarily business owners. You may have stolen my thunder a little bit here because my question to you, that I was going to put you on the hot seat for was when you look at the Success One Hundred and One podcast, and you look at who my demographics are, and I can track all of that just as I'm sure you can on your own podcast. But I can track the demographics. It's collegiate and professional athletes. It's collegiate and professional coaches in those arenas as well. There's also mindset coaches in there. There's executives. There's entrepreneurs. There's uh, employees that are in super highly active jobs trying to build up, you know, the corporate ladder. There's, you know, people in the medical community, there's a lot of different mix of people that listen to my podcast. And my question to you to put you on the hot seat was, how can you, Scott Beebe, as you're bringing, you know, knowledge here over the airwaves, how can you best help my listeners in your business? You know, you've got your family, you've got your businesses, you've got all these endeavors that you're doing. How can you best help my listeners really to frame their day to day and really uh, bring the most impact here today?
1: There's four primary steps that we call the four steps to business freedom. And it's not a hokey little cliche. These are four things from a business standpoint that will not only help uh, a small business owner get their business in line, but as I mentioned early on, um, business and life intersect. That's why we started the Business on Purpose podcast is, Jared, I struggled so much trying to figure out. I, I started, as I mentioned, I went to seminary and then got out of seminary and worked for Pfizer. So you look at that and go, wait a second, wait a second. <laughs> you go to seminary. And you're going to go to a, like an evil pharmaceutical company. Well, no, it's not, not evil. It's, it's a great business. Um, most of them are. They do great work. And I loved business. I loved the competition, the transactional nature. I loved commerce, uh, the camaraderie, all of it. Well, when I was working at Pfizer, I missed kind of the faith element of everything. And so I thought, well, uh, about that time, a friend of mine called and asked if I would come On staff at a church out there by you at uh, Dallas-Fort Worth Airport, First Baptist Euless, and they had a a huge singles group and asked if I'd come lead that singles group, if Ashley and I would go out there. And so we did that. So now I was 100% in kind of the vocational ministry mindset. And I was 100% out of the commerce business mindset. Well, I did that for about five and a half years. And realized, wait a second, I've I really, really missed business. And so we moved out to South Carolina. Uh, a guy reached out to asked if we could come help and plant a church. And I said, you know, we'd be interested, but I am not interested in being on staff. I want to go back into business. And so ran 100% wholehearted back into business. Meanwhile, we're helping a guy plant a church. We're working in Nigeria. I've been working there since 06. And so we're kind of doing all of this stuff. And it wasn't until about almost two years ago that I finally realized, wait a second, There is a both and nature to what we do, and it's serving business owners from a faith perspective. In fact, one of our unique core values is work is faith. And what I mean by that is if the definition of faith, and you just look it up, definition of faith is the conviction of something that you cannot see, and the definition of work is the creation of something that does not exist. So therefore, if I am creating something that does not exist, i.e. work, then I am demonstrating my faith. And that is the belief in something I can't see. And so for us to be able to merge these things in the Business on Purpose platform, we've kind of boiled this down into four critical elements. The first thing that we do with small business owners, and and then I recommend all small business owners do, whether we work with you or not, is to draw a detailed snapshot of what the future looks like for you and your business. And this is what we call a vision story. By the way, I get a lot of questions about, well, how's that different than a vision statement? We actually don't subscribe to a vision statement at all. We subscribe to vision story, which is a long-range, detailed snapshot. A lot of times it would be two, three, four, five pages in detail. Then we subscribe to a very simplistic, memorizable, and portable mission statement. So we take all that content from the vision story. We distill it down into a really excitable, powerful And a little bit of a nuanced mission statement, it is what drives you out of bed every morning. And so what drives us out of bed every morning is the opportunity to liberate small business owners from the chaos of working in their business. That's what gets us excited. And then we distill that down even more into what we call unique core values. So, Jared, these aren't things like uh, integrity, respect. There was a company out by you in Houston uh, back in 2001. They had the core values of Mm. integrity, respect, communication, and excellence. (laughs) Yeah, right. Right. you know know who the name of that business was, was Enron. And so, you know, those are just kind of generic core values. And we want to see unique core values. I've told you one of mine, work is faith or automated strategy, intentional coaching. Those are some of our unique core values. So that is the first thing, because if you don't have that in place, then you really have no guardrails and you've got no destination articulated. So it's just like you're getting in a car and driving out through a cow pasture to end up nowhere where you've defined from the beginning. And so you're just kind of lost. And so we need to have a destination that we can go to, a car to drive to get there, and guardrails to help keep us on the path. And so that's really the first section of that is the vision, mission, values, which leads into the second section, which are these three critical roadmaps that every business needs. The first one is the implementation map, which tells you exactly how to implement your vision, mission, values. Uh, so they don't become like a dead corpse in a binder sitting on a shelf like most of them do. Uh, the second roadmap is what we call the systems map. Because, Jared, we need to understand what systems exist in the body of our business, just like we understand what systems exist in our human body. Because if we understand those systems, now we can kind of in large chunks be able to lend to the health of those systems, just like we can. Hey, your cardiovascular system's out of whack. All right, well, I need to start running more or whatever. And then the third critical roadmap is the delegation roadmap every business owner has at minimum 10 20 30 items they need to get off their plate right away whether it be to a full-time employee part-time contract 1099 virtual assistant whatever those things that they're doing that's you know seven eight nine ten eleven dollar an hour work when their billable time as a business owner is somewhere around a hundred to a thousand dollars an hour right out of the gate and so they need to get some of those things off so that's really the first two sections of those four that we talk about all the time,
0: Scott. Let me ask you real quick, and I don't mean to derail your uh, your flow here because I know it's all important and getting to the the third and fourth is is crucial. We'll do that in just a second. Can you tell me why you put implementation map before the systems map?
1: Probably ninety percent of the businesses and business owners that I've spoken with, when I ask them about vision, they'll immediately kind of give the eye roll, like, yeah, yeah, yeah we've done that before. You know, I was with a company, right. we spent all kind of money on it, we put this thing together, and then we put it in a binder and it sat on a shelf, and so. The vision, you know, Habakkuk was told in the Old Testament, write the vision down so that those who read it may run. This entire planet was based on a vision. The entire nation state which exists today of Israel in the Middle East was built on a vision that Abraham got to go to a land that I will show you. Vision is not a modern-day kind of, you know, Peter Drucker idea, Harvard Business Review idea. This is something that literally founded the earth. And so if it is that critical to our foundation as a people— it's got to be critical to a foundation of a business, but I've seen too many visions sitting on the shelf. No matter how good or bad they are, they're not being utilized. And so we've got to get the utility out of the vision, and the way to do that is implementation.
0: And it's interesting because whenever I saw you mention that, I thought maybe you know uh, maybe you were just mentioning them in no particular order because how can you implement something or come up with a plan to implement something before you have the systems to do that implementation down and your uh, your answer's great. It makes perfect sense uh, once you explained it there.
1: Yeah, it's, I've seen it way too much. And frankly, Jared, we've spent a lot of time and money on coming up with this. And it is a pull of our heart. I mean, it is an absolute pull of our heart to have a vision in front of us. The problem is we tend to think it's kind of, you know, this uh, theoretical kind of thing that we really don't want to mess with, um, or it's just pie in the sky. And what I tell people is it's not only the thing that's going to drive you, but it's also the thing that if you don't have laid out, think about this in your business, out in the Dallas area, and particularly in Las Colinas. When your business thrives, other people thrive. So when your business thrives, let's just take it to the very foundation. When your business thrives, the tax base of where you live thrives because necessarily you've got to pay taxes. So there are bureaucrats who are able to make a living because your business is successful. And so when you've got a clarifying vision. The stakeholders around you, your family, your employees, your customers, uh, your vendors, your community, those folks now have a a great picture of where it is that you want to go. And think about this. If you were in the home building business and it was in your vision that you wanted to go from building 25 homes a year down to 15 homes a year, well, I think your subcontractors would like to know that. Although they're not full-time employees, they are definitely stakeholders. And so it's a value to them to know your vision.
0: So let's go ahead and hit three and four as we progress here through the, uh, through the building.
1: All right. So the third part of this, so we've got vision, mission, values up front. Second part is really those three roadmaps dominated by implementation. The third part is really the meat of it all. And that's what I call the organizational infrastructure stage. We literally, in the cloud, on one sheet of paper, draw out and master plan your entire business through an org chart development process. Now, again, that's another eye, kind of an eye roll moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've done org right, charts right. before. we do them in the cloud on google drive because each item in the org chart is an actual job role well because we can do it in the cloud now i can click on one of those job roles it'll take me to the exact role that i've got drawn out which brings great clarity and that job role really is a three-part item number one it's a boundary for the kind of the playing field for for that particular team member uh, because without it they don't know where they can play they don't know where the boundaries are and we all need boundaries the second thing a job role is, it's is actually an ongoing training menu. You know, we say we want to train our team members, but a lot of times we don't know what to train them on. Well, just go back to the job role. That's what you've asked them to do. And so train them on those items that are on the job role. The third function of that job role, it's actually your performance evaluator. It's your coaching tool. It's the one thing that we can use and go back to with stability, great stability, to make sure that the team members we have on, again, full-time, part-time, VA, it doesn't matter. Those team members know exactly what's expected of them and exactly how we can build those capabilities inside of them. And so we kind of look at a job role and go, yeah, it's just a, no, 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 it's a three in one real power tool that we can use. And when we built our org chart in the cloud on one sheet of paper, now we can get to all those articulated job roles, which then gives us to that kind of power play. And so once we've got that, now you've uh, we start with role, by the way, and we end with people. We don't start with people and end with role. So I, I ask all of our business owners to be what we call person agnostic. So we want to know what does the business requires as it relates to the role, and then we'll go find the person to fill that slot. So many times we've got it backwards, especially small business owners, because we tend to hire our friends and our friends' friends. Right. And we've got to be very, very careful with that. And so we've got a very defined hiring process. And then once we've got the org chart job roles hiring process in place, then we can build the entire meeting structure, which, by the way, Jared, I think is the second most important thing in, or element in the entire process next to vision story. You've got to have a, a means to communicate with your team.
0: And then the fourth and final piece, Scott, is what?
1: All right. So you've got your vision mission values. You've got your three roadmaps. And the third part is that organizational infrastructure. At the end, we're going to go back kind of where we started, and that's implementation. I've uh, got a great author, Joe Calloway. I actually had an opportunity to interview him for the Business on Purpose podcast had such a powerful quote. He said, vision without implementation is hallucination. And so this fourth stage is the action items and implementation, uh, or excuse me, the implementation and process stage. And so what we do is we take all those job roles that we've got that are linked to that org chart, and we've got a very purposeful setup around those and how those will meet together as teams. And each one of those job roles is populated by line items. You know, for instance, your bookkeeper's line item is going to be accounts receivable, accounts payable. Well, each one of those is a process within the larger system. And so in the implementation and process stage, what we do is we actually begin to build those individual process out, either in written documentation or in video screencasts, like video tutorials. And those serve as the training ground for anybody you bring on into those spots. So... Take this from the genesis, Jared. So you've got a small business owner, and right out of the gate, they've got to start doing their books. They've got to start either QuickBooks or Wave Accounting or whatever. They've got to start keeping uh, track of their invoicing. Well, eventually, there comes a time where they need to give that up, and they need to give it over to somebody. Well, when that somebody comes in, they know how to do invoicing in general, but they don't know how to do invoicing the way you do invoicing. And so this is another cancerous moment for a small business owner when they say this phrase, I get so frustrated with them, it should be common sense. (laughs) No, (laughs) it is common to you, but it's not common to them. Right. And so we've got to document this out and then go back to your team meetings because your team meetings are such a rich source of not only communication, but also implementation and accountability. How does a new process get, uh, how does awareness of a new process come about in the team meeting? How does that new process get actually articulated and defined? in the team meeting, and how does it get held accountable and implemented? You come back to your team meeting for that. And so you develop those processes and then install them in your team meeting so that they, those things can be held accountable.
0: And for those of you out there driving around or working out or however you're listening to this podcast, don't worry, I'll put everything in show notes, I'll link all of these <laughs> steps that we're mentioning here, so don't worry about trying to you know grab all of this while you're doing that, you just go to my website and you'll see it and I'll link everything up there. But Scott, real quick for those listening, go back through the the four
1: that you just mentioned. All right, so you've got the first step is the vision story, mission, st- uh, mission statement, and unique core value set. The second step are those three critical roadmaps, implementation, systems to articulate the systems in your business, and then the delegation roadmap. The third is the organizational infrastructure stage. That's the org chart in the cloud that's linked to the articulated job roles, and then uh, that takes you through the hiring process and disk profiling, we actually require everybody use some sort of profiling. And then the the fourth element of that third stage is the actual team meeting structure stage. That leads us into our fourth step uh, to business freedom, and that is the implementation and process stage, where you begin to articulate all the tens, hundreds, and thousands of processes, and you don't do it at once. We do what we call the systems mindset, Jared, and that is whatever this next thing is that I'm about to do, let me make this the last time that I ever do it. And if you can think with that systems mindset, you're going to be well on track to processing out your business within the systems that exist so that you can run those every single day within the context of the team meetings towards the destination that you've got articulated out in your vision story.
0: Man, that's awesome. I love the detail on that. And I know that uh, I'm sure there's some of this that can be found on your website and I'll Tell the, We'll talk about this at the end where people can find you, but let's just go ahead and drop it right here as well. Where can people go as far as your business's website to if they're in front of their computer right now and see some of this?
1: Yeah, two places. So the articulated draw out of everything that I've just talked about, if you just go to businessfreedom.com, and it's all spelled out, businessfreedom.com, and you'll see the entire kind of step-by-step approach through that in real solid detail. And then from there, our, our uh, online headquarters is mybusinessonpurpose.com. And a lot of it's drawn out there as well.
0: And let's take a chance to highlight your podcast as well, because I know you talk about this a lot on your podcast.
1: Yeah. So if you go to the business on purpose podcast, in fact, just go to mybusinessonpurpose.com forward slash podcast, and we've got all of our episodes there and we have a blast on the podcast. We have the opportunity to be able to uh, really teach people how to integrate their faith in their work. Again, that's why we started the whole podcast. Periodically, I'll get off on a monologue with other issues like vision, mission, values, or one of the things I'm probably going to be talking about here in the next few weeks, honestly, Jared, is the struggle of business owners in facing what I call situational depression. So it's not necessarily clinical depression, uh, but it's very situational as things, because that tidal creek comes in and out, it's very unpredictable. And uh, we try to tackle issues like that, but it's on the Business on Purpose podcast there.
0: That's great. And uh, you mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, you know, I've I've got a couple of other hot seat items here. I I don't like to throw that word around too much because it is cliche, but I think it fits well with you because you're very quick on your feet. I love how you tie things together, but you mentioned at the very beginning that work family, vision, you know, all of that go together. What I want to know from you is you're obviously a very, very processed person that you wouldn't be in the role that you're in today and doing all the things that you're doing if you weren't. And the four steps that you just mentioned earlier, as far as those building blocks that proves it right. And and I can tell you're passionate about it. You believe in it. Mm. You said a lot of time and money has been spent on it. It's something you truly believe in. How do you give me the, the uh, ages of your kiddos again, you've got 15. Yeah. 15, 13 and 11. And you and Ashley have been married for... We've been married 18 years. 18 years. So how do you take all of this systematic stuff, right? Because if we're super systems at work and we're super systems at teaching others how to build businesses and help them, you know, get out of their own way to where they can build, you know, more creative things that they're, that are going to last and that they're proud of, but yet we can't take that home. I know a lot of my own clients, the financial advisors that I coach, different people We're out giving advice day in and day out, very poor Whenever we take that home, so it's almost like you could look at it as, man, am I a, am I a fraud? I say I'm a systems guy, but I can't take that home. I would assume that with the job that you're doing, you kind of, you go, you kind of have to be both. You don't build a great marriage and great parenting skills and children and all those sort of things and and your faith and all of that without having some good systems in place. How do you take what you've learned, especially in those building blocks, and equate that to your home life when you walk in the door each evening?
1: Probably about a year year and a half ago, I had a client. We were sitting down and we were walking through his vision story. And when we got done with it, he looked at me and he goes, don't I need to do this for my family also? And it just kind of hit me. And my response with full confidence was absolutely. And so his question back to me was, well, have you done this with your family? (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, I don't know. I haven't even, it didn't even cross my mind. I don't know why. And so about a year and a half ago, we put together uh, the BB Family Vision, Mission and Unique Core Values and what was really interesting with it was we went through the process, and we came out with a very detailed insight into what those were, and in fact, just about a week and a half ago, we sat down with our, we've got a binder downstairs in our living room with it, we sat around the kitchen table, and just kind of went back through, where are we headed, what are we doing, are we on track, so about every couple months, we'll take a look at it, and it's kind of like GPS coordinates getting, getting you back on track, and so as we did it, couple of these guys were like, well, how do we do it? And so we put together a video course uh, called How to Create a Family Vision, because I'm really bad at naming stuff. So we just called it How to Create a Family Vision. It's a video course that literally walks us through, but that's what we did as a family. We just walked through a very similar process, and we brought out our vision story, our mission statement, and uh, our unique core values as a family. And so it's something that we go back to on a regular basis, just to kind of, it's like I said, it's GPS coordinates to make sure that, hey, am I going down the right road that I said I wanted to go down in order to get to the right destination? And even Jared, we've asked like hard questions of our kids. Like, do you want to be married? We've asked that question to our kids wow. and they've responded. And uh, now, I mean, you know, they can respond only as best as they can respond at 15, 13, 11. Right. But still asking the question, I think it's a valid question to be able to ask.
0: Yeah. And for those of you listening out there, that was not scripted. That was not teed up. He didn't tell me beforehand, like, hey, ask me how this ties into my family as well. Like, I just had a hunch that if he was that systematized through your, uh, you know, through your work and through your things that you're doing at business, there must be some bleed over into the family. And I'm glad to hear that there is. What are the two biggest pitfalls that you've seen following these building blocks and this, you know, these paths that you're taking people down? What are the two biggest uh, pitfalls you've seen? Um, And I'll I'll give you my take on it. You can tell me if I'm correct here. I would think that the pitfall would be for both the family and the business is that you can design a very well thought out strategy. You can put, you know, building blocks or whatever word you want to throw in there. That's a descriptor. People actually have to then go take action on this, right? For you and Ashley, as parents, you guys have to take action on revisiting that thing and getting the, the GPS back on its coordinates and back on track business owners have to take the things that you guys are showing them and actually putting that into play. But what, where's the, uh, you know, where does that thing hit pause? And you found that there's some, uh, some traps in there, some things that might keep it from going forward.
1: So there are two, but I'll tell you this, number two is so far behind number one and number two is simply that we just the biggest or the second biggest pitfall is we tend to kind of marry the wrong person, if you will. And I'm not talking about our marriage, but I'm talking about as business owners, finding people to help fill these spots, right. we end up dating and marrying the wrong people. And it's because we, we do it backwards. And you've heard these cliches before, but we hire fast and we fire slow. And we've really worked into that third stage is where we work in, we've got a very, very tight uh, seven-step hiring process that we virtually mandate. I mean, they've got to pull through, but we virtually mandate uh, clients to do or else we don't feel comfortable giving them hiring advice because they they jump into kind of dating and marriage so fast with that, so that's kind of the second pitfall is just really merging the wrong people with the right role. and uh, but the first one, by far in a way without hesitation, is what you've alluded to, and that's a lack of implementation. And so you can have the biggest slickest. I mean, I could have a Ferrari in my garage, but at the end of the day, I've got to turn a key on and push the gas pedal, or else it's going right. nowhere. And so we've designed. Uh, and I've seen people design a lot of really killer systems. And, Jared, we are not at lack for tools right now. We have got more technological tools than we can possibly ever imagine. So we're not at a lack for tools. We're not at a lack for opportunity. What we're at a desperate lack for is implementation. And that's where I go back to Calloway's, his quote, vision without implementation is hallucination. So we've got a lot of hallucination going on. And really what I found my value from a coach standpoint, Jared, you're probably this way as well, is my value in a coach standpoint it's not all the brilliant ideas. You can go Google those. My value as a coach is to is to kind of put on the old uh, coaching shorts and the whistle and show up and make sure you show up at practice every day uh, and pull through the game plan that we've laid out.
0: Man, and that's uh, that leads me into my second thought here, which is just masterminds. I mean, you know two people that I very much respect, Dan Miller and Aaron Walker, which Aaron was on my podcast several episodes ago, and just love his wisdom. I know he's a huge masterminds guy. I know you are as well, just from some of the things that I've seen from you. I know it may sound easy and cliche and just, you know, like a, you know, yeah, of course it's important type thing, but tell me why masterminds are so important for you for, especially the guys listening out there.
1: Yeah. Let me give you some details and then I'm going to kind of end it with a a capping thought on the mastermind idea. So I'll go into my mastermind. I have actually got one that I lead this afternoon and then one that I'm uh, one of Aaron's that I'm a part of. Uh, this afternoon, so I'm a member, I'm a, I'm a leader and a participant. All this afternoon, in a mastermind, and I cannot wait. And here's why: is because in a mastermind group, what you get is you don't get one coach, you get as many coaches as there are people in the mastermind, and that is incredibly, incredibly powerful. We've got to remember this: when we're looking at a particular situation, we're looking at it from a unilateral angle. We're not looking at it from the other side. So, like right now, I'm looking at a lamp. I can't see the other side of that lamp. I, I don't know if there's a snake on the other side of it. I don't know if there's a bomb. I don't know if there's $100 on the other side of that lamp. I have no idea. And until I either get up and go over there and look, which is fine, but you got to remember, as soon as I get over there and look, now I can't see this side of the lamp. So something may have changed over here. Whereas what I can do in a mastermind is I can sit on this side of the lamp and I can get my buddies to sit on the other side of the lamp or all around the lamp. And I've got a 360 degree perspective. Of exactly what it is that i'm looking at that is you know and i hear some people saying well why why would i pay for a mastermind that's why (laughs) hands down that's why (laughs) right because you get a 360 degree perspective on whatever it is the issue that you're looking at and quite frankly jared one of the biggest challenges we have as small business owners is perspective and the lack of perspective that we have Because we're sitting in this seat. We're in the middle of it. We're in the weeds. And so sometimes we need people, in fact, not sometimes, all the time, we need people to look. And uh, and I tell people all the time, the greatest barrier as a small business owner is not anything happening outside of you. The greatest barrier for me is the voices in my head. And sometimes I need the mastermind just to say, hey, Scott, calm those voices down. They're not real. I can see on the other side of this, and I'm telling you they're not real. And so there is a huge value for the mastermind in that. Not only that, but as business owners, we need to be better coaches. And so you not only get the reception part of a mastermind, you also get the opportunity to be a participant, to be a leader in that, and to be a coach. And so you get to learn, because you've got a valued coach that's actually leading the mastermind, you actually get to learn how to be a coach in your small business by simply being a coach in your mastermind. So you get both the active and the passive when you're a part of the mastermind. So then let me put an end cap on this whole thing. If you're not a part of a mastermind, you are missing out and you are providing a disservice not only to you, your family, your employees, but also the clients and the customers that you serve. I'm just saying that hands down. I say without hesitation now about two years in to both leading masterminds and also being led in masterminds. If you're not in a mastermind group, you are letting people down. And the first one that you're letting down is yourself.
0: Tell me what the biggest, Scott, I mean, you may have covered some of it just in that that uh, descriptor that you gave there, but just the biggest lesson that you've learned from, uh, let's just take it from the participant level, not not necessarily the coaching level, but for those listening out there who have been approached about a mastermind or might want to join a mastermind or, or uh, you know, figure out what that is, maybe if they've never even heard about that before. Some out there may, may, may not have, but what is the biggest lesson you've learned other than seeing, for, for your analogy, what's on the other side of the lamp? Is there any other big just aha takeaway moment that surprised you that you weren't expecting to get out of
1: that? Yes. About a year ago, I sat down with uh, our mastermind and it was my turn that week to kind of be man in the middle. And, you know, Aaron tends to think that, you know, it's, it's kind of a cool laid back process. I call it the carving station because you get ripped up uh, <laughs> right. in our group when, it, when you're man in the middle and uh and he's kind of come to enjoy that a little bit it's it's a little bit sickening uh quite honestly i'm I'm teasing, but it's I went in and I was about to switch up the entire product offering of our business about twelve months ago and I went in and I had this grand plan, oh my goodness, it was incredible on paper, and I proceeded over a period of about thirty six minutes to get shredded like barbecue uh, <laughs> in that room and they uh, would it have been a complete failure? Probably not. But they saved me years of headaches. And I w- it would have pushed my business back, I don't know how many months or years, to go through with this. And because I stopped and just for about a half an hour listened, uh, it completely shifted the trajectory of our business. And fast forward now a year, I've recently gone to them with another concept, and they were all in on it. And now we're, we're down the road on that, on that idea for, in terms of what we're transitioning into from a business standpoint. And so to be a participant with that, we had another guy that was about to spend about 160 grand on buying a business, and we shredded him in about six minutes. It did not take long at all. And it saved him not only the 160 grand, but it, would, it saved him hundreds of thousands of dollars over the next years, both in real cash and in headaches. And so there's a real monetary value, whatever your mastermind is charging hundred bucks, 250 bucks, 400 bucks a month. It's worth it. It is worth it to the bottom line of your business to be a part of it.
0: Man, that's great. I've had a lot of people encourage me to join a, uh, well, I'm sorry. I haven't had a lot of people encourage me to join a mastermind. I've had a couple that have popped up and I've got personal coaching that's going on right now. And then I spend so much time myself coaching in my own business, but just the more and more this pops up it's just a kind of a mirror just turning back on me, just going, okay, are you going to go and get sharpened by people? Or are you just going to keep saying that you don't have time because you're doing so many other things on your own? Because we can do things for a lot of years out of habit or out of necessity in that moment or, you know, whatever time frame of life that we're in at that time and do them wrong and really have nobody there around us in our corner to point things out to us. So I'm so happy to hear that you're so strong on that. I've got to Couple of people right now that have asked me about it, and uh, that's just more revelation to me that I probably need to be diving in and stop dragging my feet on it.
1: Well, and think about this too, Jared. Is you know, there's a lot of like uh, group, like BNI networking groups and things like that, and those are great, but you don't get the you don't get the coaching in that. You know, when you go to groups like that, a lot of times it's more about just kind of networking and business for business and you know quid pro quo, and and that stuff's good. I mean, that stuff's fine. There's a lot of business that that will come out of that, but at the end of the day, a lot of business owners. What they don't need more of is just kind of this for that transaction. Instead, what they need is to be able to work on their business. And that's what a mastermind helps with, is to be able to work on your business. It gives you, it gives you for us, an hour every week where I know on Monday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern, I am working on me, and I'm working on my business. And, uh, and it's, it's locked in. It gives me a great excuse to do that.
0: And thanks so much for sharing that. As we get ready to wrap up the podcast here, I'd love to know who you're getting advice from right now, not just the mastermind group that you have. And and I'm sure you're getting a ton out of teaching that is or coaching that as well. I'm sure you're getting maybe leading that you're getting more of it. And then maybe sometimes you're in the participant level. But what are you doing in your uh, kind of your routine each day if you have just sort of a go to uh, mentor, whether that's a podcast, audio books, uh, what you're filling your mind up with, what's going on in your life right now that's making you better that our listeners need to hear more about.
1: Uh, every morning, um, I've got a an app called the One Year Bible dot app, and uh, that's the first thing I'm trying to fill my mind with, um, and not to be overly charismatic or spiritual or anything. It just is. That's the first thing I'm filling my mind with, and then what I'm trying to do with that because of our family vision. And this is a, I've been trying this for year, decades even with to no avail but as soon as we started to kind of really follow our vision I sit down with our family at around 630 or so in the morning we spend about two and a half minutes taking this one verse that comes up every you know, this different verse every week and we just we walk through it and we try to memorize it and there's nothing fancy I don't have this profound word or anything like that we just talk about it half the time you know we're staring off into space but that's what we try to—that's what we try to fill our mind with from from the outset. From there, um, I really don't have one particular podcast um, that I'm. I, well, I do. Fareed Zakaria's GPS podcast. He's about the only news guy in the United States that I listen to, just because I I, don't, I, don't, I really don't have the the bandwidth uh, for the noise that comes across anything else. But right. Fareed Zakaria is a brilliant guy. He has got great, broad, global perspective. You're going to learn about the world when you listen to his podcast. Here's the downfall lately, and I I have actually thought about sending him a note. He's been so politically charged where he normally is not. And that's one of the reasons I enjoy him is because you don't hear about a lot of uh, domestic politics. You hear about a lot of global engagement, which is what I love. And we've been involved in Nigeria for a little over a decade. So that's really where I get a lot of my stuff, but he's got a weekly program that I listen to. And then books lately, we've really been moved by Brian Moran's 12 week year. It's a great book. Uh, it's a recent one. So it's not no, my, top my top five all time. My top five all time are documented by my number one is book by Dallas Willard called The Divine Conspiracy. Yes. Second one is Thomas L. Friedman's uh, The World is Flat. Those two are rock star books.
0: Man, thanks so much for your time here today. And I want to steer more traffic your way. Where can we find more? I know you mentioned your website earlier in your podcast. Where can we find out even more about you on the world of social media platforms or just any other you know uh, videos or coaching advice that you're putting out out there?
1: I appreciate that, Jared. Yeah, just head on to our, our headquarters at mybusinessonpurpose.com. Everything we've got for the most part is up there. And uh, we we also do free webinars every now and then, every two to three weeks. We just did one this last week on How to design and leading lead a meeting that doesn't suck, (laughs) and so we take uh, we actually had one uh, one client of ours called us the Wizard of Oz of small business because we literally pull up the screen share and we take you behind the scenes into everything that we do when we get on these webinars. So we we post those uh, up on our website as well. So make sure to check those out and you can be a part of those at mybusinessonpurpose.com.
0: And then where can we find you in the world of social media? I know you're putting a lot of Facebook live videos and things like that out there. So you're obviously on uh, Facebook, but where
1: else? Yeah, that's the primary mechanism. We're, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, but the primary area that we work is Facebook just because of the platform that they've got going right now.
0: Right, man. We wish you the best and more continued success as you go and help more and more people. And, uh, man, I wish the best to your family as well. I know they've got a good leader there steering the ship every day. And, uh, and that's an awesome thing to know that you've got that great responsibility in front of you. And, uh, Thanks so much for letting us know what's on your heart today and and, uh, hopefully steer more people your way to find out more about what you're doing.
1: Jared, thank you. I love the platform that you've got and the way that you're serving people. So thanks for letting me be a part of it.
0: Hey guys, once again, thanks for being here on the Success 101 podcast today. I can't tell you how much your support and downloads help to keep this thing going on into the future. If you want to connect directly with me, you can do so on my email address, which is info at success101podcast or on a couple of platforms in social media on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash success101podcast or on Instagram at success101podcast. I hope you guys continue to strive for higher levels of peak performance each day. And I'll catch you guys on the next episode of the Success 101 podcast. Until then.